it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a platform for both legendary and rising artists to share their own personal stories on how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we are able to chat with Lafembert over Zoom video. Lafembert was or is an army brat, lived all across the United States, but where Lafembert really got into music was while living in St. Louis. That's where she really started to focus on songwriting and how to become a producer. We hear about Lefebvre's move from St. Louis to California, working in a studio in Atlanta, moving back to Los Angeles, producing for a bunch of different artists. We also hear all about Lefebvre's most recent remix of Reba McIntyre's I'm a Survivor. You can watch our interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. Be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Lefembert. This podcast is all about you, your journey in music, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Uh, first off, talk to me about where were you born and raised? Um. Oh, that's that's a complicated question because I'm a Navy <laughs> brat. So oh, okay, right. So that that kind of gives you a lot already. But I was born in New Jersey. Uh, in Plain in Plainfield, New Jersey, I lived in Scotch Plains until I was like eight or nine and then we moved to like elizabeth city and then we bounced to virginia georgia it was always like military or work-based like okay, okay well the job is here go here kind of a thing um we didn't have a lot kind of a thing but we worked it out and um i ended up in let's see cali in like when i was like junior year of high school so like the first part of high school i was in st louis oh wow. which is I know, right? <laughs> it's just like all over the place. But the first part of high school, I was in St. Louis. And that's actually the place where I started really going, wait a second, what's this like producing thing? Like, I knew I always wanted to do it like forever. Like I knew who Quincy Jones, Roddy Jerkins, uh, Missy Elliott, Timberland, and the Neptunes. Plus, I lived in Virginia Beach for so long. And they went to Princess Anne High School, uh, the Neptunes. So like- oh, I didn't my, know that. Yeah, I had cousins going to the same high school as the Neptunes before they were the Neptunes. And it's just kind of like wild, like wild to think about, like how people just are people and start mm -hmm. somewhere kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's what I guess that's a synopsis of like going from East Coast to Midwest to West Coast. It also kind of accounts for why my sound is so all over the place. Because um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got hit with like, I was in St. Louis and I was 14 when Nelly popped off. So, oh, wow. Okay. 
And when you live in St. Louis, you hear everything that no one else in the country hears by Nelly and the St. Lunatics and anybody associated with that whole camp. So I know songs that I, this song popped, a song popped in my head the other day and I was like, what? I haven't thought about that. Like, not going to say how many years, but. Right, right, admit, right. Yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That is really cool. So what made you decide, you said when you were in St. Louis, you decided that you wanted to be a, a producer. And I was in a lot of choir and theater and stuff in high school. And honestly, the school in St. Louis was probably the first high school. Um, Hazelwood Central was probably the first high school that I went to where I had like teachers who kind of recognized that there was something a, a little more than just I'm humming there because I would just like sneak into the choir. This is like an MO of mine. Sneak into some choir or band room, see if no one's there and then play on the piano for too many hours. And then someone finds me and goes, who are you? Why are you here? That sounds kind of good. And that was like the that was like a regular MO. And I had a teacher there, Mr. Arnold, who kind of started like going, wait, tell me more. I feel like you want to do more with this music because I would just hear all these parts all the time in the harmonies and he'd be trying to teach everybody harmonies and it was like me and two other people were like, no, 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 not like that, like this. And he was just like, hmm, okay. And he had this like um, Yamaha Clavinova keyboard that had mm -hmm. like a 16 step sequencer in it. And I, I would sit there at like 13, 14 for hours after school and just make beats on it. Like, he was like, what are you, how did you, that has that on there? I was like, yeah, you got, <laughs> there's kits and everything. You can like play out parts. You can even do a, like a basic little mix on it and everything. It was, it had like compressors and everything in there and like an eight bit screen that you were like moving like the frequencies and crossfaders up and down. It was pretty hilarious, but Whoa. it's also how the, the bug got bit. And yeah, that's the that's where the bug came from. Yeah. Wow. OK. And yeah. from there, like you said, you're in chorus and choir and stuff growing up. Yeah, that was the choir room, too. Like he it was weird because I grew up in like before then we had like grown up where we grew up and we didn't have schools that had choir rooms that looked like this. So it was like we went there and they had like these that choir room had quad eight inch speakers on either side of the room. So all together, eight speakers and it was like a 500 watt system and you could like play anything through it and like it was like wait what this is y'all have just have this and it, <laughs> and it was yeah it was wild because I mean the high the high school the middle school I came from before I went to that high school in uh Norfolk Virginia was a different vibe let's say that let's say let's not, it, that wasn't the vibe that wasn't the okay. vibe so it was so it was just like really cool to like have this opportunity finally like once in my life to like sit back and like just be there and be in the room and like experience like school and music and like in in that way and we went I remember we went to um I was in the theater he chose me to be in one in like a special group called like a theater magical choir mm -hmm. and we like went and went to this thing called the Winter Park uh, National Choir Festival and like won and I was like we were singing in French he had to bring like a French teacher in. I was like, what is happening right now? Like <laughs> the, these, what are these, what is this high school? I've never been to a school like this before, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's real St. Louis. I never really thought about it that much, but that's, that's kind of where it all pops off. Cause then I met my friend in high school who taught me how to use Fruity Loops, which was a demo beta stage, not Fruity Loops one thing. It hadn't even reached one yet. It was beta. <laughs> this is Fruity wow. Loops beta, not FL studio, nothing like that. We were, click, 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 step sequencing. And you had your FO, like crunchy, juicy fattener. And like, you just were making beats on there. And we were like doing like modulations 
on there. And I remember when I figured out how you could modulate and uh, it was really wild. But I had like a Hewlett Packard that I think my phone right now that I'm using probably is 40 times at least faster than that thing. <laughs> right, it had of four gigs of four gigs of RAM. And it was like, it had like a 100 gig hard drive, I want to say it is, is what it was. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what we were working with, making oh, beats. wow. That is cool. Well, how did your yeah. how did that change when you moved to California? Didn't you say you moved to California in 11th grade? When I was like 16, I moved to Cali. And then that is when I discovered, um, well, when I was in St. Louis, before I would go there, I was in St. Louis and I started going to Guitar Center every day like from oh, really? sunup to sundown and i would just sit in the pro audio section the speaker section and the and the guitar section and they would to the point where they'd be like hey you tell that kid to just turn everything off in there because i had like scuzzy discs and zip logic <laughs> drives and i was like connecting from like a rolling mv8000 to like a mpc to like the triton and like i was going in like i was just making full beats and i didn't even realize <laughs> that those dudes are using me to sell stuff because they would just send people back there be like yeah talk to them they know about the stuff and then get that then suddenly they're making a big sale and i was like oh cool no kid no it's not cool like that's <laughs> not it but you it was fun and i learned a lot at guitar center which is really hilarious actually when i think about it but that's anyway. cool. Yeah, they could have just said, hey, you can't use our equipment. <laughs> yeah, but you just bail. <laughs> so then you get to California. It, yeah. So this was still in, in, in St. Louis, right? The guitar. Yeah, center. but that was St. Louis. And now if I go to if I'm in California, I'm in high school, junior year, and I'm I join a choir there, which is okay, but that school wasn't as a nice of a high school. It was kind of honestly it was a really cool like group of people and California high schools are big open campuses and like don't have like gates and you can walk off for lunch. So that part was cool, but the, the, like the extracurricular stuff wasn't as robust. And I was, it, which was fine for me. Cause like, I'll be honest with you, the St. Louis school was the first time I had ever experienced a high school that you could like, like that was, the I went skiing because we went on that trip for that magical choir thing. And I was like, what is skiing? What do you mean? You do what on snow now? And like, I, that was, I didn't know why this is a thing people do regularly. Apparently I was like, okay, sure. I've never skied before. I mean, that seems like a lot of money that could go towards food is what my mama said. But anyway, <laughs> she was like, they want you to do what now? how much is this? And I was like, yeah, man, that's what they said. I got to go ski with them. So <laughs> I wasn't mad or anything, but it was just like, huh, this seems interesting. But anyway, so then get to California and I start work. I, when I, when I left um, St. Louis, I had worked with a label for the first time. Like it was the first time I wrote for an artist as a songwriter. I was like 14 and it was this local label and they had some pretty good pull. They would get like write-ups in like the local newspaper a lot and things like that. Uh, and he like kind of let me write songs for this girl, hit this artist that he had. God, I think her name was Janelle or something like that. It was so long ago. But anyway, but it was kind of how I got my writing chops. And then going to California meant I started going with my mom to like the Bay a lot because we moved to Central Cali and like mm -hmm. the 559, like Fresno area. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we she would my mom was in tech. Uh, and so she would like drive up to the Bay a lot and I would go up to the Bay and hang out with people and like just kind of like go to the like honestly well it's fine now i can't get in trouble for it sneak into the new parish uh because i always look too old for my age and like watch like bands play and shit and so that was really fun and then i started 
working at this, um, when I turned like 17 or 18, which wasn't much longer because it was junior year, I went to the College of the Sequoias in mm-hmm. Visalia, California. And there's like a dude named Kim Cameron there who's like this like rock legend engineer who was like the dude who ran the MIDI synthesis production program. Oh, and wow. I was like, what? And yeah, and that was fun. He embarrassed me one time though, because I was a cocky kid and I was like, I know how to do that. And I went up to a mixing board and pressed the thing and did the whole, I could hear it, nod my head thing. And he stared at me for a long time and then hit the assign button. And then it just blared out of the speakers and it made me jump. He was like, you know, maybe you should sit back and listen and learn sometimes. I was like, yep, 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 cool, 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 cool. I'm gonna go stand in the back of the class. Uh, I was nodded so hard, like turning knobs and faders. It was a very the humbling moment if you will but yeah and that i started learning a lot there and getting into pro tools a lot a lot um i had already been getting into logic a lot which i think it was at lot i'm on i work on logic kind of exclusively now and i think it was at logic 4.1 when i came in Mm -hmm. and just when you still had to route and send stuff in the background can you tell that i'm a nerd okay (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's cool. So you, um, then like, so you're picking up all this information along the way. Then when do you, like, how do you break into your own music career? I met a guy, uh, who was like, uh, who went to the school to, you know, you always end up meeting that person at school who you kind of like with the, who you go, Oh yeah, we kind of see eye to eye. And like Mm -hmm. our musical tastes were similar. And I'm going to be honest with you until like very, like in the last five years, I didn't really understand always completely that I like really was good at this. I I don't know how how else to say that. Like Mm -hmm. I, I come from a family that um, we're really like pushers and like, you know, you have to like get it right and be very good at the thing and like the whole thing. So the energy wasn't like, you're amazing. That wasn't always the vibe. It was always like, push harder. That's great. Do more. Okay. <laughs> and so I, that's kind of how I always kind of lived and uh-huh. have been living forever kind of thing, if you will. But he was like one of the first people who I sat in the studio and was just like, didn't think, I always thought I would sit at a drum machine or a piano and think, oh no, people are going to think the sound's bad. Uh-huh. But then that day I went to the studio in Visalia with this dude and I was in there and just, I started zoning out and I turned around and there's like 20 people in the room. And I just, I didn't even really know how to use the equipment he was using, but it, it was similar. All of the principles were similar to the stuff that I had learned in a guitar center and at that studio in St. Louis. So I was like, all right, I'm just figure it out. And I somehow was doing that. And I was like, man, I want this sounds any good. Turn around. Cause you're like nervous. And like, sure. you know, you, you do the don't turn around cause you're too nervous to turn around to see what's happening behind you. <laughs> yeah. That, Okay. And he was like, yo, do you like make beats? I was like, kind of. I mean, I guess he was like, do you not, you don't have a studio or anything? I was like, no. I mean, I work on Fruit Loops on my computer sometimes, but like it was like sometimes like I didn't mm-hmm. even have like an interface or anything at home. And it was just like, yo, you got to come through more. And so I started going through more and like, like playing keys on stuff. And like, like I would like do percussion on stuff and sing on stuff a lot and write. And like, I was out engineering kind of always made sense to me. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say at that time I was like super versed in it, obviously, because I was like 1920, but like, it just made sense to like, it should sound like this kind of thing. And I didn't realize that I was making sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're mm-hmm. like, am I, I, this seems like this makes sense to me, but I also had been in rooms when I would listen to people mix at that point, 
a couple of times where people were not feeling how the mix was going. And I was like, this doesn't sound right. Kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And I was just like, oh, okay. And they were like, well, if you think you could do it better than try, I was like, I'll try. I don't know if I could. It just feels like it could sound different. I don't, and I did. And he was like, yo, you know how to mix? I was like, I don't know, maybe. I, just, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Like, sure. Like my, I, my family is a musical family. And I guess I, I grew up listening, like, my grandmother was like super into jazz. And so, okay. and like, and, sa- and like sadly, but also not completely sadly, I know everybody's opinion is different on this. She listened to smooth jazz and acid jazz a lot. And which, you know, yeah. Um, and so I have a big affinity for like the Dave causes and David Sandboards of the world. Okay. Like I like I used to we used to go down the Jersey Turnpike and da- back to Georgia listening to like Dave cause David Sandboard, Sade and then like Anita Baker. And then my mom, though, on the flip side was like more of a rebel. So she is where I got the Tori Amos Boyfriend Pele, which was like my favorite album. And I was like nine. OK. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, like I played that tape to death. Hello, Mr. Zebra all day. Um, like, really, like, and I used to like just walk around the house, this little black kid going, hello, Mr. Zebra, can I ever swear? Mr. And my mom was like, do you understand that you, I guess, okay. But she was the one who played Stone Temple Pilots for me. And I was like, this is great. What is this? <laughs> this is great. I was like, sound, she played that, she played Soundgarden, Paula Cole, Tiger Lily. Where do I get this feeling, this bright red feeling, this tiger lily in my mouth that wants to grow to 10 feet tall? That that was like, I was 11 going, what am I listening to? What's <laughs> happening right now? And then I would secretly listen to the songs where she cussed a lot in my bedroom. And like, you know, yeah. Headphones anyway. on. <laughs> yep, you know, <laughs> I used to do just, that. It, and then you go, you do it, you look around, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. why do you listen to every other record through the speakers, but that those few songs are in your headphones? I haven't any idea what you're talking about, basically. <laughs> yeah. That was my always my response. I was like, what? And my sister, she was funny because she was a, my sibling. So she would... She would like try to be like, ooh, you, you listen to that bad song again? I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. She's also like very musically inclined. The whole family is. My sister, like guitar player, rapper, singer, and oh, wow. another queer, a queer person as well. So like it's, it's very interesting to like come up and be around music so much because my mom loved music. My mom, my grandmother was an opera singer for a really long time. Um, and she's she played me Leontine, Leontine Price for the first time because I had always listened to opera music and heard a lot of white folks. But she was like, you need to know that there's a legendary black woman opera singer that you should know about. And I just remember the first time I heard her voice and I was just like, whoa, what is this? Because like you grow up and I used to like sneak and listen to country music a lot um, because everybody's like, why do you listen to that white people music? I was like, listen, this is just R&B music for white people. That's all this is. <laughs> I heard, the first time I heard Let Me Let Go by Faith Hill and, and I think it's Vince Gill is what his name is. Uh-huh. I was like, what is this? Those little, and y'all, and the, and the thing I never got about country, but I just loved it. The meowing guitars. <laughs> And it was just like, what is happening? Just feels like a thing. Like it just felt like something. And then the beat dropped and it was a whole different beat than I expected. And I was like, this <laughs> is interesting. And then I dug deeper into that. And then suddenly I was into country music. I don't know. What's a genre? Anyway, that's fine. Right, right. Well, you say you you, you remixed that Riva song. Right. I used to, but I grew up listening to that song. Like me and my mom and my sister watched the Reba show and we would. I love the Reba show. It was so good. And like, she was a single mom with two kids and we would always sing the song. And it was like, 
kind of cheesy, but it was like, that's, I mean, it was, it resonated, you know, and it Didn't was funny she have three kids. <laughs> Oh, yes, she had three kids, but my mom was a single mom with two oh, kids. Like, wait, <laughs> were you watching the same show? <laughs> Are we watching the same show? No. Yeah, my mom was a single mom with two kids, yes, but Got she had three you. kids. And yes. I was, but we, you know, drawing parallels, it's essentially that. Yeah. And no, I was for sure, like, I was just kidding. No, I know. It's fine. I was just like, whoa, like this is, I grew up watching Gat Country until three in the morning like and just like taking it all in like i was going back and forth i don't even know how this happened but i would just go back and forth between like cmt got country bet mtv and just go back and forth between all of those and then when i got bored with that i just didn't sleep well either as a child can you tell my brain moves quickly anyway um yeah <laughs> i don't know that's amazing Maybe. when did you start putting out music putting out music so i have always I as an artist only in the last four to five years but okay. I was always a songwriter and producer before like anything and like that's what I aspired to be like when I was um in 2009 I want to say I worked in a, in a studio in Atlanta for like two years as their um in-house engineer and like in-house producer and I just would like wow. just do sessions after session. And I remember doing sessions. I used to do sessions for Atlantic all the time. Um, and there's a rapper named Sahai the Prince that I did a, when he first got signed, the mm. guy who owned the label, I keep, I got, I like cut my teeth as an engineer and pro tools and everything doing all those sessions, like wow. all those rap sessions for those, the rap, like it's funny because I don't know if you've heard about that video where two, cha two chains and a bunch of them are talking about how the studio works in Atlanta, how rappers like just jump on each other's stuff and figure out the business and stuff uh -uh. later. There's this whole video in this conversation. You got to go find it. It's a pretty wild thing to watch. But I was there. That was the time period where I was there. I was like 23. And I remember when the Camaro, the new body Camaro came out, the guy uh -huh. I worked for, he rented a bunch of them so we could roll up to this event. And I drove that car, all these people in there. And we popped up and it had like the name of the label on the side of the car. That's and dope. we hopped out. We were like the coolest people. I was the most nervous person in the world, though. And then they tried to go to what was that? What's that famous strip club in Atlanta? And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm too green and I don't even want to know what's happening in there. I was very innocent back then. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was a, I had I had so many like amazing experiences there. I learned how to really be like what the art of songwriting was from him because he did. This producer was the person who did a lot of the stuff for Next, um, the mm. group next mm -hmm. and like but love and baby no more crying and all that yeah like and like those songs that played us in our heads to death as children um on z104 and all that stuff but, but yeah he's <laughs> right i remember all those stations but yeah he he was the one who produced a lot of that stuff and he worked with escape and taja scott and so i met her and i would work in the studio and just watch him work with them and like learn stuff and like i wrote a, remember the first time he let me write a song for her and she pulled it apart and hurt my feelings but it was probably one of the greatest things she ever did because she was yeah. like you're really dope but there's some things that you do that are corny let me show you and i was like okay <laughs> okay uh, like she, yeah. was, she was very real very real but it was one of the best things that ever happened it's also when i learned how to do logic for real like i was i think he was on logic seven at that point and i was or six, he was a six point something. And I remember he had these triple screens and these event eight speakers surrounding it. But then he had subwoofers built into the floors of the house and then the walls had sand in them. So you, he had like 18 inch club subwoofers. You could 
slam that thing and walk outside, you'd have no idea because the walls had sand in them. I'll never forget that. It was wow, like the water. I've never heard of that. That's crazy. It, talk about soundproof. Sound like talk about soundproof because he he did he built the house and he had the the sound the contractor wrap the pant wrap the um pillars that the sand go into in soundproofing and then fill it with sand. So like the walls are filled with sand. I was like, what? <laughs> He called it the starship. And I was like, wow, this is, and it really was, you would walk in and it looked like the helm of like the Star Trek Enterprise. And it was like purple lights and everything. It was wow. one of, and marble floors. It was crazy. It was one of the best places to like learn about stuff. And then I watched him conduct business a lot too. And just would like pick up all these things about how he moved and like what he would let me hear and like how he moved and everything. And I think I did a lot of records there a lot of demo records there with him for like ever, like met like two, three years. And I left, went to Cali, did some more records with other people, then came back to him again and learned some more stuff with more stuff under my belt. And I think it wasn't until when I was 26 and, uh, and I moved to LA for like the third time. Right. Um, yeah. As it goes. Um, and I did a record for this for this company named Sony Massenberg, which is like a, a subsidiary of Sony for this artist named Teo. And he like, we did a record for him uh, called Written in the Stars. And it was like the first time I had like a actual like placement, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like uh, this is like, you know, this is a real placement. But in the, but that year before that, I think it was like a year before that in 2011, I like was hella homeless in LA and like living out of a 20 living on the outside of a 24 hour lockout that me and a lot of my friends who are big poor producers and big songwriters. Now uh, my friend Shayon and Nietzsche and Jim over at Jenga productions, they like did this song called cigarettes and patios. Uh, oh yeah. 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 He's, 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 those, those are like my diehard. We used to go to Carl's jr. For 49 set burgers and put it to pull our change together to eat. In North Hollywood, off Magnolia. Okay, okay. like those yeah, cigarettes. Are, what's the artist's name? Jake, baby Jake. Yeah, I think baby Jake. Yeah, I interviewed yeah, him. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's a pretty cool, dude. And, and he's uh, got a new. His newer records sound like rock and roll. I don't know if you. Yeah, him. I know. What? Who saw that coming? But you know, everybody <laughs> like yeah. who, who saw that coming? But we all, we all, we all are like, what's the genre? I like that everybody's kind of doing the what's the genre. But I'm right, just gonna right. do whatever I want. Whatever. Be, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. There's, it's been, there's, the journey has been all over the place, honestly. Like I, like I secretly, I can say this now because I think a lot of people who know me don't know this, but I worked for like a psychic company for like three years, like not as a psychic, but as a customer service agent and, and like, and like sometimes like sound engineer for the psychic company, but it was in the same building as legendary films and DC comics. So a lot of people didn't know what floor I worked on. And I did that on purpose. I was like, yo, you don't know where I work. I work in that building right there in Burbank. You have no idea what floor I work on, but right. I work in that building. I work okay. at DC. I might work for her. <laughs> and yeah. I used to come home with free comics because DC comics would just give us free comics, like to some of the floors. Uh-huh. And so we would just come home with free comics. And so it was like really easy. Like, you know, the facade of it all is really hilarious. Cause this lady, I worked for a company as a roadie once and I gave her my resume and this is called being too green. And she said, honey, you know, we assume you lie. So if you tell the truth, it looks like you've done nothing. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Did you just tell me to lie? 
what am I supposed to do right now? I don't know what to do. I was, and I was shook. My little 23, 24 year old self was just like, what? I can't lie. I have to tell the truth. And it was just like, it was just so funny. And I'm not saying I learned how to lie, but I definitely learned how to go. Don't answer questions that haven't been asked. That's a thing that I used to do that about. There, there you, you go. go. There you it's go. A, I don't know. That's a random story, but I don't know. Um, that, there's so many things. Ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you when, when the coronavirus shut down the world? Oh, okay. So I was, I'm, I'm in California, Northern California now, but I was originally, we lived in, uh, my partners and I lived in Oakland for the last four or five years. And mm-hmm. we got like shysted on an apartment. Like we found out later on after we left that somebody had died in out just outside the apartment, like a horrible murder had gone on and they were charging us three times what they were charging everybody else in the, in the apartment building. And that was like literally the spring of 2019. And so then we were like, forget this. Like we're paying $600 a month for this apartment. We should just go North. And we mm-hmm. started like looking North to try and find somewhere that was more affordable. Now, would you believe because I guess I don't know why or how, but it's like hella affordable in like Northern California. Like if you go up to like where like it's like Sono- like parts of Sonoma, parts of Napa and Lake County, like there's right. all there's all these places and they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They're just not near anything. And then my partner, she ended up going into forestry. So it kind of just made sense for us to move up there. So we moved up there. I want to say the summer of 2019, spring, June, June of 2019. I went to New York to do this ballet and compose for that, came back, and um, I think I finished a song with Peppermint and like the February, it was like, hey, there's this thing going on. What do you mean? And like, oh, not even, I think that was end of November, early December. Somebody mm-hmm. was like, hey, there's something weird happening. I was like, oh, okay. And then I got into an unfortunately a rollover car accident because uh, I was... I fell asleep at the wheel because I was working too much and just oh fell. Asleep. I don't even remember falling asleep. All I know is my body was like, wake up. And I woke up and the car was flipping on, on its, was just tumbling. I was like, is, and I have you, I was just like this. I literally cheesily TV wise yelled, this is not real multiple times as the car rolled over. Oh, oh my goodness. It was, it was like, it was an ordeal. I had to like cut myself out of the seatbelt and like drop oh. down to get out and like somehow I found my shoes, phone, phone charger, purse, everything. And then crawled out onto the highway in the middle of Napa, like, okay. And it's the, it was, it was a, that was a, so that's like the end of 2019. Like that's right before COVID happens. And this can't get any worse. (laughs) No. Right. And I had a great, I will say I had a great new year. Me and my friends made this amazing song at the, at my home studio there. And it was really awesome. And I, but I remember saying to them, I was like, yo, something is off. Things just feel, something feels off. I feel like something's about to go down, but we had already moved out to the middle of nowhere. So it was kind of fine. And people were just coming to visit us. February comes, I got hella sick and I didn't know what was going on. And then that started the saga of me being sick with COVID for like months and months and months. Really? Yeah. Pneumonia. I was in and out of the hospital, like, it was, I had, my, I had like muscular atrophy because I couldn't walk because I couldn't breathe. So I had to like lay down and like check my pulse and oxygen levels at home. It was a whole thing. Like I had oh, to like, wow. 
learn how to breathe again. I had like this tube that had a ball in it that I would like use to strengthen my lungs to see how strong they were getting. Yeah, you get a blow into the thing to kind of get it to go up. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was about. it was wild. It was that that year. The 2020 sucked ass. I'm not. I cannot. <laughs> I just oh my can't gosh! Tell it like held up stuff that I was gonna be. This is gonna be my big break, and then, and everything just shut down. And I was just like, wow. And now you're stuck inside, and my partners are trying to take care of me, and I was hella sick, and it took so long to heal from it. I did. I'm doing so much better now, but I I have like this dark. I look at it. It makes me like motivated to like never take life for granted. I didn't really feel like I did before, but really now I really like after that happened, like I don't really know how to express like what it's like to like a lot of us will be like, oh, I'm feeling sick, but I can just push through it. You can't push through a pneumonia. That's not how that works. Right. And I but that's my mentality normally is like, I'll just push through it. I'll just it'll be fine. And then I made I kept two times I made myself sicker because I kept trying to like get up and start moving before I should. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like back down with fevers again. And I was like, man, this is wild. So now after that, like, I just wanted to push, like, I don't know, like when I started to finally like get better and I climbed a, I, there's a place called Lassing, California, where there's a volcano there. And I climbed it after having pneumonia the year before, like almost a year later, I summited an 11,000 foot like volcano. I was like, wow. see, that's that's what that's like West my that's the family i come from the black women in my family taught me to be like that like you nothing holds us back like that's we just don't we can't like you're gonna try if you die they gonna be like she tried she pushed she gave everything and yeah and then stuff kind of just like 2021 hit and it was like oh okay we try to pop off now like we try <laughs> to do something i went in the studio with um this stone store record artist named sudan archives and I was in there with her a lot uh, through June, June, we did like, and like, it was like amazing and such a cool experience. And I can't wait for that stuff to come out. I think they're finishing up that project now. Um, and that was like, I, I, and I, I, that COVID thing made me show up to that in a way. I think I may not have shown up before mm-hmm. where I probably would have just shown up and like used their equipment and just hung out and did whatever. And just tried to like, you know, put my feet foot in the door you know whatever and she said come through a gym and i said can i bring equipment she said yeah how much you trying to bring i was like i just want to make sure i can bring equipment my studio setup is like very portable like i have a skg case that has all my racks modules and everything in it and Mm -hmm. i'll just pop that into the back of the car at the mic and like a keyboard and like suddenly pop up on you and like I'm ready to go and she was like what is that I was like well that's a Neve 1073 copy that's a Focusrite ISA1 channel this one here is a Pultec copy EQPA this one is a she was like what why do you how do you know about all this I was like I don't know I just I just like I like how sound works I don't know yeah and we just we made some cool stuff and that kind of popped into then I think right when I got back, I got the call about the Reba record. Yes. When I got caught back from that, I got the call about the Reba record. And they were like, we need you to finish it in like three days. And I was like, what? Like finish it in three days. I got the call the 6th of June and I needed to have it in by the 7th. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. And they were like, okay, we'll say the 11th. And then I finished it in two days. And they were like, wow. Oh. Okay. I just didn't know whether they were going to like it or not. 
I was like, this is not, I'm not going to do like shout out to props to David Day and DJ Tracy Young. They have a very particular classic like dance sound, but that's just not what I sound like. And so I was like, do y'all realize I'm not going to do it that way? And there were, and, but Reba and, and Justin, her manager, they were like, no, we kind of want to see what you do with it. We think it would be interesting. And I kind of just made it like this, like bedroom soul pop song, I guess, if you will. Like, like, like I have a friend named, well, I, I, I know there's a guy who was friends with my roommates that I had a co-op I was at in LA, Oakland. His name is still Woozy. And like, he shot the goodie bag video in our living room uh, uh, at the co-op we lived in. And then he blew up. Like just blew, still was just blew up. We were like, "Is that Sven? Sven is still woozy now." Okay, cool. And like he has this whole sound, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, I might do it a little bit like that for Reba." And I and I found the "Be the Queen" sample in the second verse, mm-hmm. and I accidentally chopped it and oh, was hit. Wow. With, yeah, because I have this, um, I have this, this like little midi man thing here. Uh-huh. And I this it I set it up with um what is it Serato it, like it's like synced up with Serato and it rolled the sa- I pulled the sample in there and I was like I don't know I'll just pull the whole song in and see what comes up and I hit somewhere in the center and it was like be the queen and I was like what <laughs> and I, I remember sending to Justin the first version of it which was a little too clubby and a little too hard just to be like be the queen with the bass and it's just like <laughs> he was like this is dark and I was like all right cool I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I hit my friend up, Mia, and I was like, all right, can you put some lap steel on it? Just go on and make the guitars meow for me and do a little bit of mandolin. And I'm going to lay some guitars and I'll lay some other. And there's a lot of guitar layers in that song. Like, I like was like, I've been, I feel like I knew the assignment. That's all I did. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up listening to Gap Country. I know all the pop country divas. I grew up dancing to fancy. I'm telling you, I have been prepared for this. I know how to do the background vocal. I know how to do everything. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I know how to mix this. I got to get this right. I don't know. It's honestly, I wake up every day and still can't believe that all like, you never know what the thing is going to be. Push, 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 put your head down, push, 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 put your head down. And then this, and then a song Reba. Really? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. That's so cool. That is so it's, cool. It's I wild. love it's, it. It's wild. <laughs> Congratulations. That's amazing. And thank you so much for hanging out with me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I know. I'm. I, I thank you for having me. I. I my brain moves at ninety miles a minute, but I appreciate you trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I have one more question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Advice for aspiring artists. I would say, one of the things that I realized that I think was the most amazing an eye-opening part of my career was when I left LA. I was there for eight, nine years trying to make it happen off and on, right? And it, I feel like sometimes when you go somewhere, you learn so much and I learned so much there, but then you can lose yourself. I think it's really important to keep who you are and what you want for your heart in process and perspective. And kind of always aim for that because you're going to go, you're going to change and grow and go through a lot of things, but you yourself have to know that there's kind of this aim. Like Reba said the other day in this interview, she was just like, what does successful look like for you? Like there's all these messages coming in that were telling me what success looked like for me. 
And I would listen to them and still didn't feel comfortable. Then I left and moved to the country and like just was rocking around writing songs and making beats for Reba and, and, and the countryside. And I was like, this is the vibe. And suddenly she pops off. And my, I guess my point is like, do you, there are going to be a lot of things that really convince you that you shouldn't do you, but you should do that. You should keep doing you like try your best to ignore that stuff as much, take pieces of stuff and go, okay, but also I can still be me. And maybe that thing isn't for me. Your path is not anybody else's path. It is your own. Your path is not anybody else's path. It is your own. Know yourself and know your own path. Yeah. I think that would be the thing I would say that's long winded, but know yourself and know your own path. That's what I would say.